What's up? What's up? This is the Taz Show. I am Taz. We have a very special guest on this episode. We've been having a minor technical issue, and hopefully that issue is gone. Without any further ado, uh, my friend, are you there? I am here. What's going on, dude? How are you? Okay, that is Conrad Thompson, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Yes. uh, So we had issues, all technicians on the Taz Show side, and... uh, Conrad has probably, what was it, Conrad, 60 to 75 different technicians because of all the podcasts you host. That's right. And both of our teams aligned and made this episode work, and it's fucking epic right now. So, uh, how's it going, brother? Man, it's uh, it's been a long day. I'm almost ready for a water break, Jones. Oh, look at this guy. Have you st- stolen that bit from me yet? Because you steal everything else I do. I mean, has that been happening yet? Or not? Not yet. Oh no, it's happened. Uh, but you know, I, I've I've done a little research on you, and I recently discovered that you invented the headlock takeover. So I want to <laughs> congratulate you for that. Well done. Uh, yes, that's very funny. I get it. You're a funny guy. Um, yeah. So we'll have a water break in a little while, my big friend. Yes, and when I say big, I mean height, because you're very tall. And for those that don't know, Conrad does at times in our private conversations. He will take a shot at yours truly. Oh, really? Yes, you do. And for not being tall, you do do that for me so i go at you sometimes for being so tall so it's hey i don't normally do those type things but hey i'm just trying to receipt you know that's my thing okay i understand listen i uh i'm ready for it you 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 shamed me the other day and saying that you have never done that to me and i routinely do it to you and made me feel like a bad friend so um I'll, I'll work on it. I'll promise to do better. Yes, you will. And uh, you know what else you do, Conrad? You're going to watch some football, I'm assuming, this Sunday, I would assume. Uh, there's football on Sunday? I knew there was football on Saturday. <laughs> well, there's some college- I, I well, yes, there is football on Sunday. But sadly, too, obviously, yes. No, and I, I'm just saying, I know, especially, you know, a lot of folks from down south that might be the biggest football fans, bigger than anywhere. That, I mean, I don't, I don't want to rip anybody else from any part of the country, but in the south, you guys live and die football, especially Saturday football. Well, that's exactly right, man. I'm actually going to uh, – this will be my first game this year. I've got season tickets to Alabama, but we uh, – the schedule hasn't worked out where I've been able to go to any games. But I'm actually getting to use my tickets this weekend. I'm pretty excited about that. So I'm going to load up uh, the fam and a couple of buddies, and we're going to head south to Tuscaloosa to watch the slaughtering, I think. Tennessee's probably going to lose by what do you think? Five touchdowns, six well, touchdowns. It goes. It runs. It runs parallel with with Alabama and Nick Saban's schedule the whole year, which I told you about weeks ago. That you fucking guys haven't played anybody yet, and and I'm a fan of Nick Saban and Alabama and the program. But geez, let's be honest, you haven't played anybody. You really haven't. Well, in fairness, no one will play us. You know that's oh, that's the real challenge. God. Is well, no, that's real. Like, why would you? Why would you come beat up, you know, half your school and 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 be left with half your team? 
midway through the season. You, you want to play Bama at the end, assuming you're healthy enough to get there, because we know Bama's going to be there. I mean, that's just reality. These are facts, bro. Right, they're facts. Well, I brought up the co- topic of football before we talk about the podcast that you did, uh, something to wrestle you and Bruce Pritchett, the, and, and it's a topic that was about me, and there's some things I need to straighten out with you and me. But I brought up football for a reason, because – Comrade, you and everybody else, every Sunday, watch your local CBS game live on CBS All Access. Catch games at home or on the go. All your favorite devices, it's a great gimmick, Comrade. Go to cbs.com slash Show T-A-Z-S-H-O-W, to get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. Again, go to cbs.com slash Show to get one free week. Trial Jones, trial of CBS All Access. So there you have it, Conrad. I'm just trying to help my football friends out there in the world. You know what I mean? So. Well, I'm glad you did because uh, I, I'm actually. Well, I don't know that me and you've talked about this, but I've used that app before when I'm out of town, and it's way better than I imagined. I'm not, I don't even know the 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 details of your sponsorship and we're supposed to be endorsing here, but I do know for, for sure that I've got it on my phone and when right. I'm out of town, I'm looking to keep up with the game. I don't even have to be on Wi-Fi and it still looks great. And it's legit. I have to say, I was a little skeptical coming into it, like, uh, how good is this really? It's legit. It is. It is, yes. And as you know, I'm over. So I'm over with all the people that I partner up on the Taz Show, a plethora of advertisers, just as you are, my friend, with all 6,000 podcasts that you host. A lot of people wondering, hey, will uh, Taz and Conrad ever get it? Will Taz be part of the Conrad Thompson family of podcasting? <laughs> Can you imagine that's Maybe, even right? a question? Like, this time a year ago, you wanted to dump me on my head. Fact. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, <laughs> and since then, in some private conversations, I might have lightly threatened you at times, too. For Like, might have. My, my so. favorite Tazism of 2019 is... I can't bump, bro, but that doesn't mean I can't bump other people. <laughs> I and... told Chris <laughs> Daniels that. I, I told CD that at uh, at the AW uh, event in Philly, right? I said I gave him that line. He popped. He he, he got it. You know how he is, right? He got it right away. So it's, and I thought of you when I said it. So, yeah, that's the line, bro. Um, so look, so a lot of shit going on, right? A lot of shit. Everything's going. On. Everything's crazy. Comedy. So you got a lot going on. You're in the middle of everything. Every drama filled thing in the wrestling business. You know, you're involved with everything, and it doesn't. You know, it, we know that. Okay, we know that. The biggest thing probably happening for you in your life is that. Your boy Taz is going to be doing some color commentary on AW Dark, okay? And I got to tell you, me and my new friend, and you know, it's not often, Conrad, that I make new friends, but I made a new friend. His name is Excalibur, mm. and I love this guy. I'm just letting you know that he's a good dude. I respect him. Yeah, he is. Uh, I think he's probably one of the more unsung heroes of AEW. Like, I don't know that a lot of the the new the, the newer fans to AEW are really in the loop as to how important he has been behind the scenes. I mean, for years and years, uh, he helped run Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, and, and there's so many talent that we now see on a weekly basis on the big stages that came through there and really cut their teeth there. And for him to be involved in AEW in such a big way, too, is so fitting. Yep. And, I, and I can't wait to hear you guys do the call together because I just assume that you guys probably have uh, a very complimentary style with one another. I, I got to tell you, I- you know, I've done a lot of commentary in my career, as you know, 
Excalibur's done a lot of commentary in his career. So it, it, there was a gel there. There was a, a kind of a East Coast West Coast vibe, and it just a timing. It, it, you know, for only calling three matches together, and never worked before together. I hope people enjoy it. I know I enjoyed it. I mean, at least Excalibur told me he enjoyed it. Hopefully, he meant it. Not the, I'm teasing, but he seemed. Um, he seemed happy. I know I felt happy uh, talking to, to the other um, other announcers there, legendary figures, obviously JR and Tony Schiavone. They seemed to really enjoy it. So, I mean, you know, whenever your brethren can give you a nod, that's always awesome. And where if they like it, you know, especially legendary, you know, uh, performers and commentators to the level of, of Schiavone and JR, obviously. So, you know, that part was cool. But it was fun. Dude, I got to tell you, man, that, I, you know, Never been backstage or, 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 you know, with AW or done anything with them. Uh, just a tremendous vibe in, in the locker room and, and just from everyone, from everybody in production to the talent to everybody in the truck. It's just a whole thing, man. Just I, I had a blast, man, for a couple of days. It was really it was great being around. All well, I'm folks. glad you had a good time. I'm glad it worked out. And uh, based on, I wasn't there, but I saw a lot of feedback online that. I think uh, Naylor actually s- described your reaction as a nuclear pop from the uh, the crowd on hand. Oh, that's when you get the nuclear. That, well, listen, when, I'm sorry, say that again. I mean, nuclear, that's pretty big. Oh, that's big. Yeah, yeah nuclear's, yeah, I've heard that referenced in the pop world as far as, you know, pop and wrestling. Yeah, nuclear, that's that's high praise right there. That's, uh, I appreciate that. It was loud, man. I was I was a little worried because, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're going to get a big pop. Ah, oh, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, we'll see, hopefully. Because, you know, you, <laughs> you assume, okay, yeah, maybe. But then if everyone's expecting a big pop and it's the shits, then you're like, oh, God. You know, so I I... I was keeping my fingers crossed that'd be a good pop. I'm like, well, hopefully they remember me, you know. And uh, you know, it was it was pretty cool. The cool thing about the pop that I was able to soak it in, um, and I said this to Excalibur, I felt like it was, you know, it, it kept going. The pop, I wanted to walk towards the ring. That would be my natural thing, you know, and either cut a promo in a ring or fucking suplex someone, right? But those days are gone. So I. Gently walked over to my right to the table and sat with Excalibur. So <laughs> it was like disjointed. I felt like I need to go to the ring and fight, but because the music, the music they made for me was fucking phenomenal, Conrad. Like really cool. Uh, guy screams in the beginning, "Path of Rage." I mean, you couldn't even hear it on well the YouTube, the uh, iPhone gimmicks because the pop was so loud. But hopefully, AEW posts the because they were shooting the entrance. I don't know how they were, they were cameras all over the place. So um, the song is cool. That's what I'm trying to get at. The song that they whoa, made whoa, for me whoa, is whoa, fucking whoa. badass. It's pretty cool. Bro, you came in to do commentary on Dark, and are they even going to show that? And they made theme music for you? This is unbelievable. What an investment they made in your boy Taz. Wow. I, hey, listen, that's why I, I'm, I'm so flattered what they did. And no, they did. Yeah, dude, they did. Um, you know, I, they sent me the, a sample of the song the other day. And I would have sent it to you, but I guess they faved you. On no, it's it. no so, big sorry. deal. I see how it is. You know, I've I've been accused of faving you on stuff for two weeks. <laughs> two weeks, two years. Um, well, maybe eleven weeks. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Inside joke, Jones. So, all right, let's get to the meat of the matter here. The meat of the matter. Okay. We're talking about Eric Bischoff. No. The best place to get your Taz Show gear is at ProWrestlingTees.com. Well, actually, no. There's a new spot you can get your T-shirts, there Conrad. <laughs> there it is. 
this. I know about this. I think it's TazShirts.com, and I don't know that you get a report in real time whenever somebody picks up a shirt, but I bought one for your number one fan, Dave Silva. No way. Absolutely. TazShirts.com. Do what I do. Go to TazShirts.com. You'll be glad you did. Wow, bro. Hold on a second. DST, you know, many of my old school Taz Show fans remember him. Just another fan that Conrad and his crew stole from the Taz Show. And, Correct. But DST, for a while, I did not like him very much. Um, <laughs> but now I like him again. Um, um, so, and it's it's because I'm, you know, look, I'm getting older, right? Everybody's getting older. So I figure I can't keep hating on people, you know. I could walk outside and get hit by a bus. You know what I mean? So, like, and by the way, bro, like, where I grew up back in the day in Brooklyn, where I grew up and lived, I could literally walk out of my house and get hit by a bus because there was a bus stop right there. (laughs) True story. So, now where I live now, there's no buses around here. So, and when you lived, there's what, fucking stagecoaches and horses? Yeah, I mean, we don't. We don't really do that here. Everybody, you know, we don't have to pass like emissions test to have a vehicle on the road. So you can pretty much put anything on the road. So as a result, like mass transit is not really a thing down here. Bro, if I lived in Alabama, you know, I would just drive a fucking one of those gimmick John Deere ones. The ones that just, I don't know, that dune buggies. I would just jump in that shit and drive around. I, I don't know what you drive, but I know it's a big truck. And I would suspect that you would drive a big truck down here. You'd probably have like a... F three fifty King Ranch Jones or you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm uh, yeah, I'm I got a big I got a big uh big luxury SUV Jones. That's my gimmick. Blacked out Jones, blacked out wheels, uh badass. Like- the license plate says Tazplex thirteen thirteen. I am the human suplex machine. That's the whole license plate. It's long, so. But you know a guy, so you got it. You got it worked out. Yeah. At New York State license plate. Uh, factory, whatever it's called. So anyway, that's not my license plate. Um, it's way too many digits. No. So the thing that I wanted to get to with you, bro, was the whole thing with you and Bruce, right? You did this podcast about me, which, you know, I'm like, I know you guys have been doing this for a while. Well, you guys will just take a, a talent, a current wrestler, usually a former wrestler, right? And do like a whole show on them. Like, I, I, I don't, how do you think it like I would never have thought to do that? I have no desire to do that, by the way. But like you get great responses on this stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, several hundred thousand people have heard the Taz story now. So and by the way, I just want to point out that that episode came out on a Friday and you were on AEW Dark on a Wednesday. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> Oh, because wait, let me get this straight. Hold on a second. See, so here, here, because... here's my theory. Here's my theory. My theory is that show posted at 11 a.m. last Friday, and on sometime Friday afternoon, Cody saw how viral it went, slid in your DMs, asked what you were doing on Wednesday, and made a very fast impromptu booking to piggyback all of the hype and attention that I personally had brought the Taz brand Friday morning. That's what well, I think happened. Listen, I love you. Okay. I got to be honest, that didn't happen. Oh. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> so that's, but yeah, no, I, there's no DMs. Okay. Cody and I have each other's phone number for a long time. So that's the first thing. Okay. Okay. So, okay. But I, yeah. So it's not, not like that. So um, I know you think you invented the pro wrestling community and the pro wrestling world, but you actually whoa, did. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, Hang on now. I'm going to hit yeah. you with that old Chick fil A. Okay. Chick-fil-A says we didn't invent the chicken sandwich. We just perfected it. 
So I'm here to humbly admit I didn't create the wrestling podcast. I'll let you finish the rest of the thought, though. Right, bro. I respect that. I respect that. And I think we put you over enough now. So, so I, no, it's more about put putting me you over. Put me over some more. It's fine. Put me over Jones. <laughs> no, no, no. We, uh, listen, I'm going to go to break. You're, we're going to go to break because you're with me here. And when we come back from break, then what we're going to do is we're going to jump straight forge ahead into talking about this whole gimmick about uh, 20 something years ago uh, when I signed with WWE and the whole stuff with Vince Russo and stuff that Bruce Pritchett said. So we're going to do that. Okay, right now we have to take care of business. Taz Show, be right back. Got Conrad Thompson, special guest. Hang on. Individual. Oh! So let me ask you a question. You think we do the show for free, right? It's just like for free because you downloaded it. Taz. Well, it's time to pay the bills. Relax. All right, Jobbers. We're back here on the Taz Show. We got Conrad, Redneck Jones, as I call him. Conrad Thompson. You there, bro? I'm there, buddy. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so uh, we're not fucking around here in this episode of the Taz Show. It's all business. And, uh, yeah, so you did this episode about me, and you put over your numbers. Several hundred, several hundred thousand people heard this already. I love how you subtly, well, not so subtly, put over your numbers. Like, I'm supposed to be impressed. Like, what do I have? What do you think I got? Like, fucking 20 people listening to my show? Is that what you think happens here? Well, I'm sure since I'm here, the numbers are way up, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. I'm busting your chops. You know that. And so, by the way, before we talk about, about something to wrestle you did with Bruce and with me and all that, uh, some people are probably still thinking, wait a minute, I thought these two guys did not like each other. Taz maybe at times might have th- kind of verbally threatened Conrad on one of his podcasts, my own podcast, which I didn't really, it was on a verbal threat, but there was a little tension. But yet we have, and, and everything's great. And, and I will be at StarCast again in Baltimore, which I can't wait for. Might be a good opportunity for you to plug that right now. I would I'd be delighted to. I can't believe that we've got you out of the house again. Uh, but it's going down uh, November 8th and 9th in Baltimore. We've got a special celebration for Tony Schiavone's birthday on the 7th, a cool brunch on the 10th. But most of the action is going down on the 8th and 9th, including a very special task show with Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt. Those guys are setting the woods on fire and pretty topical on the heels of last night. So I'm excited to see what you guys do. And I think one of those guys has a history that you're quite interested in as well. Yes, yes, yes. Big uh, Luchasaurus Jones. Yeah, he's. Uh, it was on Big Brother several years ago. I actually talked to him about that when I saw him in Philly. They're good dudes. Uh, all those guys. By the way, Marco Stunt might be my favorite person ever. And um, if I was wrestling again, wrestling again, he would be my manager. I was talking to MJF about that. I'm like, yo, I'm telling you right now, Stunt would be my manager. And then MJF, being the genius he is, I know you hate MJF. But well, he's a turd. He's a terrible human. I can't believe you even talked to that guy. Hey, he's a local Strong Island guy, bro. Are you kidding me? So he lives right down the road over here. He lives right near me. So, um, so the thing is, well, he's living near me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Marco Stunt. What happens is MJF said, "Taz, it would be great if he managed you. You know, because then I'd look like, you know, I, I, I look like, like, yeah, I look like Andre the Giant. God rest his soul. I mean, I, I, I would look massive. I'd be gigantically tall." And MJF had a great idea 
have him basically do the Fonzie gimmick with the whistle and everything. Can you imagine Marco Stunt as a manager with the whistle, bro? That would be legit. Marco Whistle. <laughs> well, that. Yeah, that's true. So, but yeah, I'm looking forward to having Jurassic, Jurassic Express on the Taz show. I love me Starcast, you know that. The big thing I want to see, I mean, hopefully we're near each other when we're doing the gimmicks, but the Stinger, right? He's going to be rocking the red, white, and blue, Great American Bash stuff and all that jazz. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe I was able to do this, but we put together what is essentially like an old school NWA, WCW reunion of sorts, and we're pulling out the big guns. Not only do we have Jim Crockett, that's right. Not just David. Of course, we've got David, but he's back with us. But we've got Jim Crockett, and I think this is his first personal appearance ever. Uh, and, and everybody remembers the story of Jim Crockett Promotions, and we're celebrating that in Baltimore. So we're thrilled to have him. And uh, we've also got all the other legends. You know, Sting is going to be there, and not just in the Crow gimmick, but in the old school Great American Bash 1990 look with red, white, and blue face paint and that American flag jacket. We got the Great Muda. Uh, Hall of Famers like Arn Anderson, Ricky Steamboat, and there's you know tons of other fun. Ron names Simmons, right? You got Ron Simmons in the house. Ron, Ron Simmons. Simmons, absolutely. All, all the all the old WCW greats you would expect: Magnum TA, Ronnie Garvin, on and on. But the cool stuff to me, man, and I know you're old school, so you probably don't love this. But how about a photo op with RoboCop? How about a photo op with Van Hammer or the Shockmaster or the Yeti? Like, not just Ron Reese, but Ron Reese wrapped up like the mummy? Come on, what a photo op, dude. That's awesome. How about everybody just fucking put me over and come to meet me and then go home when you're done? How's that? Well, I'm good. I'm good with that too. Let me how about this for a photo op though? What if you actually there was an enhancement guy back in the day in WCW called Bobby Starr, and he's gonna take part in a panel with uh colt cabana and the name of the panel is we made the stars of starcast but in this photo op you don't just get your picture with bobby star you get to pin him we're going to take your photo of you covering a guy and beating bobby star clean in the middle come on that's pretty legit right there that's pretty legit that really is I think that's I'll, great. I don't. I, I don't remember Bobby Starr. I, why don't I remember his name? I don't remember him. Well, we got other uh, enhancement talent on that too, like Dwayne Gill, George South, Barry Horowitz, some old school classic names, who have some stories that you know maybe they haven't had a big enough mouthpiece to share. So we're going to let them tell their, their funny stories from back in the day for the first time to a big audience. If you can't make it to Baltimore, you can join us on Fight. That's F I T E dot TV, uh, or you'll oh, be yeah. able to find them on me. Starcast yeah. on Fight. Um, yeah, the thing is, I just was trying to just spitball a little just for a second about Starcast, and you went to Pomoda Jones and you just went off right. for 10 fucking minutes. So that was all nice. Right. Um, that's all. I appreciate that. So now, okay, so what's the whole controversy from which is like so old of when, how and how, what happened, Taz, who at least when he signed with WWF and all this. And so bring people up to speed, bro, with you and Bruce, and then how this controversy, what was going on, just you'll be more succinct about it than me. Go for it. Well, there's not a controversy. There's a crazy person out there named Vince Russo who's decided that he hates Eric Bischoff and Bruce Pritchard. So anything and everything in the news that he can attribute or take credit for or discredit them, he jumps at the chance to do. And that's unfortunate because I like Vince and have for a long time and we follow each other on Twitter, but for whatever reason, it's just, uh, it's in his crawl right now. So we're doing our best to navigate it, but yeah, he's taken issue this week with the idea that, um, you know, what, what Bruce said or didn't say on the show doesn't exactly line up with his story and his line of things. And, 
Uh, I don't know why that's such a controversial issue. I think we told the story correctly on something to wrestle, and I think it matches your story. Uh, almost a little. It 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 almost matches, and it, this is where I I I I have to say, like I just I don't remember. I listened to the podcast, and I want to thank you and and Bruce, you guys, what you said about me, and a lot a lot of you know very nice things and stuff like that. And um, but there, I just want to be clear though, like. So there's nobody confused that really follows stuff from happened years ago. When I was talking with WWF back then, Vince Russo never uh, discussed like contract stuff for me, like money, term. That never happened. It was creative stuff. The only person that talked money and term with me was Vince McMahon. So now Vince Russo was in the room, but. Vince Russo didn't say much while Vince McMahon and I talked business. So that's, that's, I don't know if you guys got that point over. I don't, you know, I mean, across, um, or maybe, maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you did know that. Do you remember if you guys said something in that? Vein well, here's what no? I know. I know that, uh, we certainly talked about the fact that it went around Jim Ross and that was the reason any of this sort of came up because if you've, listen to Jim's podcast or read his books over the years, you know, that he was the head of talent relations and he signed the lion's share. The overwhelming majority were folks that he negotiated contracts with and, and, and put them under contract. And for reason, your circumstance was different. And the story we got was that, um, Taz was a, a big uh, acquisition for Russo that Russo really had a lot of ideas for you and was excited about the idea of working with you. And, and, I believed that the two Vinces, Russo and McMahon, got together with you and worked the deal out. And then it was sort of reported back to JR. Oh, by the way, we got Taz and here's the terms of the deal. And I think that's the reason the conversation come up. But I think Russo is maybe hanging his hat on either the word contact, that maybe Vince Russo handled the contact, or that Vince McMahon, and what was just maybe said as Vince, did the contract but I don't think Pritchard ever said that Russo negotiated financial details of any contract. Okay. All right. Well, good. Yeah, Cause that, like, I can't speak for whatever Vince Russo's done with other talents, if any, but I, I was, and that's cool. I'm just saying that, that never happened with me. Like I, I never Vince Russo and I never talked, you know what I mean? Like money and none of that. And, I never brought it up. I knew it was either going to be myself and Jr. talking it or myself and Vince McMahon talking it. Um, I didn't, you know, uh, that's what I knew. I mean, so it, it was just creative stuff. So I wanted to be clear on that part. But, yeah, I, um, yeah, it was a lot of, I mean, some, the other thing, too, like when, um, um, oh, by the way, another thing, just to close, as we close up that part of what you guys discussed as far as the Vince Russo thing and who did Taz, blah, blah, blah. I, so without, I, I can't say the name, and I, I'll probably never say the name. I'll go to my grave with it. But I, so I never met, I did not know Vince Russo. I never met Vince Russo. I never talked to Vince Russo. Um, the first time I ever met Vince Russo was at that hotel in Stanford, Connecticut, when I met Vince McMahon and Vince Russo to work out the deal and we're again we're going back to 1999 shit i don't know it might have been september october of 1999 something like that because then i debuted in two january uh one two whatever month. it was the first week of the year new year of 2000 so anyway i never met i didn't comment i did not know vince russo so 
I, and I'm not, I'm not saying you guys said that or alluded. I didn't know him. We actually had a mutual friend, and that mutual friend put a feeler out to me, and then uh, that mutual friend is, is never worked for any wrestling companies, um, was not a wrestler, um, but was close to the wrestling business, but behind the scenes. But like I said, never worked for any wrestling companies, like never under contract, nothing like that. So that mutual friend. Because I had already came to the terms with Paul But never signed a contract with ECW But I was concerned that Heyman was not going to be able to pay me on his deal And I think you guys said that yeah, in the podcast I think we did because that's around the same time where I think you know, and that's some of the financial trouble right. Started and if right. you see the writing on the wall This piece of paper if he can't Deliver is really just a piece of paper Correct so I mean and I've talked about this a lot to the public for, for a lot of years you know I mean even before podcasting was a thing but yeah I mean there are, I mean if you talk to Paul back then it was like he felt like well Taz fucking swerved me and we had an agreement and and then he double crossed me and I mean I, I, I we did have an agreement that's true and I did feel a little guilty but I had you know my wife and I were about to have my son, you know, she was, I don't know how many months, she may have been eight months pregnant, I can't recall, maybe seven months pregnant. So we were starting a young family, and I just, you know, we, we just wanted to make sure, you know, and we knew there was money issues and with the company, and I just was concerned. I mean, the deal that Paul offered me was amazing. Now, hindsight, okay, if I would have stayed and kept to that agreement, well, I obviously wouldn't, have, the, <laughs> the deal wouldn't have lasted because the company went belly up. And I wouldn't have gotten any. Yeah, I would have. You know what I mean? I I would have my value to WWE oh, yeah. would have came in probably for a lot less money. You know what I mean? I would have had no leverage business wise, right? So it's business, and and I did feel sometimes in business, you know, you got to be a little. I mean, look, I mean, not dirty, but you got to be a little sometimes a little hardened. And and I didn't want to, but I. I, I felt like at that time during that attitude era, there was just a, a might have been just an amazing opportunity. And I want people to understand something too. Just one more thing I want to say about Vince Russo. And I know you know this, Conrad. But back then, in you know, the late nineties and into early two thousands, you know, Vince Russo yeah. was, you know, he was Vince McMahon's right hand man back then. He was the lead writer. He you know this. He had a you know, he was writing TV. So you know, you get some word that, hey, you know, there could be an opportunity here to go work closely with this guy for WWF. Um, I, you know, and why would I not want to do business with that? You know, you know what I mean? Like, why would I not? So, you know, that, that that's how it was back then. But anyway, um, so anyway, I, I, I just thought it was important to bring that part up. And I just wanted to mention that while I had you here about about that because like russo never worked out a contract with me or none of that stuff it was vince mcmahon who did that so the other thing that i thought was interesting and and i, I give you a lot of respect because you know you, you you know you and bruce have had a lot of success with something to wrestle and i suggest all of my listeners take a listen to it i mean bruce has got a long history in the industry comrade and bruce have an amazing chemistry together and they have great topics and i'm i'm, I'm dialed in it's great and you you call him out a lot of shit. You don't you know what I mean? Like, and I respect that. Like, if you don't agree with him, you flat out call him out. And if you you call bullshit on him, if he says something he feels bullshit, I respect that. And something that I thought was oh, bullshit, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, is that whole thing with fucking Triple H when he was the champ, and I was in WWE. Yeah, and I was the ECW champ, but on the contract, and I went to Indianapolis, wrestled Mike Austin, became ECW champ. We know the story. 
And then they said, okay, fuck it. We'll have Taz, you're going to wrestle fucking, um, you're going to wrestle Hunter. I get to Philadelphia. And um, I didn't know. I didn't know. I show up and I'm like, wow, I see where I am on a card on SmackDown. I'm going to wrestle Hunter, who was the WWE champion. And I'm like, okay, great. But then I'm like, I'm like, okay, I know I'm doing a job too, because I realized that right away. It wasn't no big deal. I was doing a job, but I they just did this whole thing for me to to help Paul Heyman and help ECW to get the belt back because Awesome was gonna maybe do something with the belt with WCW and dump it or whatever. And then they turn around and fucking beat the guy who's under contract to them, that the guy they're trying to help, but his title yeah. and all that. Yeah. And Bruce had a different slant on it, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the most obvious bullshit burial if you perhaps ever from an ECW talent to a WWE. I mean, you came in so hot. You know, you're in Madison Square Garden to a huge pop. You hand the Olympic gold medalist his first loss in the WWE. I mean, Angle had been on quite a tear. And it's clear he's going to be one of the tippy-top guys. And on your debut show, you beat him out. And you beat him, even on commentary, I, I was sort of taken aback when I watched it for the first time since it happened, probably. And JR says, well, it's just a choke hold, or it's just a sleeper hold. And Lawler's saying, well, no, it's an illegal choke. So they're not even putting over your finisher. And I thought, boy, that's weird. And then, you know, fast forward just a few months after you're on this tear and you make all kinds of news and what an interesting twisted story that was with WCW and Mike awesome. I mean, it'll probably nothing like that will probably ever happen again. It never happened before. It probably never will again. And hmm. there's such an opportunity there. And instead it's just like, Oh, let's just, you know, beat him and make him look stupid on a TV show that no one will ever remember. It's, there was an opportunity to do something different and do something cool. WWE champion versus ECW champion to make it a pay-per-view, make it competitive, or we could just make it a throwaway segment where we just shit on everybody and everything, including our own talent. And Bruce, his slant was, no, it was good for everybody. That's I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said, right? His slant was it was to help ECW. You know, Taz was in the main event, right. and Taz was in a, a title picture, and it told the story for Tommy Dreamer and for ECW, and it helped right. ECW. No, it doesn't help so, ECW to have their belt humiliated on TV, and it doesn't help Taz for him to, I don't understand. No, what would have helped Taz? No. And let, me, let me tell you, who, let me let me interrupt you, bro. Let me tell you who it helped, and I hope Bruce hears this, and I hope the guy I'm about to mention hears this. It helped fucking Triple H. That's yeah. who it helped, yeah. okay? That's that's who it helped. It helped Triple H. No, no, no. In essence, he it, no, it didn't make him. I'm not even alluding that he was already getting monster push as it is, but it just added to just another at that time. At that time for him. And he would say, I guess I would assume you say in character for someone else that he could just, you know, get get another W over. Um, and I didn't give a fuck. I mean, they were paying me in essence, and I wasn't working with ECW, and I, I knew it was a burial on ECW. And then when I knew that Tommy Dream was going to do a running, okay, so let's get this straight. So it's helping ECW, but yet you beat the guy that you wanted to help ECW straight up with his belt, and you have in the in the interim, you also have. The fucking guy that's going to beat Taz for the belt in Philly at the ECW Arena. You have him in the big building in Philly on SmackDown. I think it was SmackDown. And Tommy Dreamer comes in. And not only does does he fuck me up, okay, but before that he fucked up Dreamer. That's what you guys didn't get. Like, so he, he killed Tommy in that moment. He killed me in that moment. 
So how does it help ECW? So now you fucking beat the guy who has the belt, me, straight up. They didn't have to even book me against the fucking guy, but I guess Hunter wanted to beat me or whatever. And then they have fucking Tommy, who's going to, Paul's putting the belt on. I know Justin Credible turned around and beat him quick after me, if the Tommy beat me. You get where I'm going, dude. It, it, it buried Tommy, in essence. It buried me, in essence. And uh, it, how does that help ECW? I mean, I'm asking a rhetorical question, but you get my drift. No, I mean, in his head, you know, it was a little engine that couldn't, and this was an opportunity for them to have their stars seen by a bigger, more mainstream audience. And on some level, you know, that is accurate. That is what worked for, for ECW in 1997 when you guys did some crossover stuff. But this was a different time, and you're not just making a fool out of the belt and ECW, you're also making a fool out of your own guy. And, you know, I'm still on the bandwagon that if it wasn't their idea, they don't always love it, which is why I think they were slow to adopt war games and even when they do it was different and you know they, they put goldberg in a wig and they put dusty Rhodes' son in makeup and made him androgynous and they put dusty in polka dots and if it's not their idea they don't love it and for whatever reason you weren't their idea and you know i don't even think they let you call yourself human suplex machine or use any of your catchphrases or they they wanted to just change as no. much of it as they could no. and you know i just I don't know. That's when right. you go back and you see Taz from 98, 97, 98, 99 ECW, and then you see Taz in, you know, 01, it's a different guy. And that's the WWE version, and yeah, it's well, just... But you're right. And let me, let me interrupt, man, because, like, the thing is a couple things, right? Because I believe on the podcast you said something like, you like uh, let me just fast forward a little bit. Like, you didn't like, like, when I was wearing the longer pants and the dicky shirt and all that stuff. Um, and I, it wasn't like I was doing backflips over it. It was my idea, but I want you to understand, bro, as a friend, like, and I want fans to understand why I did that. The version of the look and the style and fashion of the human suplex machine from ECW, it took me several months to realize these motherfuckers don't know what to do with that guy, and they aren't doing nothing but hurting him. So I said, fuck it. You're going to bury him? I'm going to bury him deeper, and we're not even going to have him dressed like that no more. And I, that's why I changed the whole fucking thing. Cause I, and I said to Vince, I just like to, I didn't tell him all that at the time. I said, I want a different look. I want to make over. I came back from tearing my bicep and I wanted to come back with a little bit of a different look. And he was like, yeah, it sounds good. I mean, you know, I wanted to change everything. I just did not. Cause I knew I didn't have a long run coming as a wrestler. I just knew it. Cause they had no idea how to push me. So I figured, well, fuck it. Let me do the best I can to kill that Taz who wore a singlet and, and low boots and no knee pads, black towel you know, all that shit. Let me get rid of that guy and give them something different so they could feel like it in their fucking ego minds that it's something they created. Okay. It didn't work as much as I thought it would. But, you know, I remember telling my wife back then, I am not letting them kill that legacy of that human suplex machine guy any more than they did. And that's why I wanted to change the look. And that's why I did. Dude, I almost, I never said this ever. I almost was not going to do the orange and black thing either. And I, I, I probably shouldn't have done that. I probably should have, you know, because I had the the dicky shirt and and the, the longer sweats. Um, they, what they were, they were like track pants. They were made of actually mesh, yeah. like a football jersey mesh. So they were very lightweight. They were very easy to work in. They were actually very comfortable. And they were making them. WWE was making them for me. So the thing is, like, I I was contemplating not even doing orange and black, doing like you know one pair with blue stripes, one pair with like yellow stripes, just. Anything but orange. I just wanted that guy to be gone because I didn't want them to fuck it up anymore than they did. Those are facts. Now, whoever likes it, likes it. Whoever does it, doesn't. But I couldn't let them, you know, just 
I don't want to say, I mean, even though I, we, it's, we're free to curse here and do whatever, and I'm cursing like a fucking banshee at times, but I, I was said like some really bad shit about what they were doing to that character, and I wasn't letting it happen anymore. So that's, and I think you could hear my voice, I get a little hot about it now, you know what I mean? So, um, and that's why, I mean, for me to tip my cap and, and give that respect to AEW, the respect they gave me to walk out in front of an audience, a massive sold-out crowd in Philadelphia, of AEW faithful fans and the pop made me feel great like hey WWE guess what you tried to kill this guy he ain't dead yet even though I'm retired I'm not in the ring but it felt that part of me felt great you know just that was a good moment because WWE would never give me that opportunity you know they just they wouldn't because I'm to them I'm dead and buried you know what that's great fuck them I'm cool so you know, <laughs> um, it's fascinating to me that you know we just we're just less than two weeks away from you know the big anniversary show for SmackDown, the, the big debut on Fox, and I mean literally everybody's there except one of the primary voices of SmackDown. You weren't there, so I'm sure you know without me and you talking about this, it's probably quite a feeling to know that you weren't at that show, and then the next time you pop up, less than two weeks later an AEW show where you don't have all this tenure in history. I mean, the, the pop was described as nuclear. That's, that's something else, man. That's because of the audience, man. And it's really nice. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, and it was, I, you know, I, I almost, I almost, I almost started crying, man. I mean, I don't want to get all soft, but when I walked out on that stage, I was like, I, you know, it was really emotional. Cause I didn't, I knew they pop, but it, 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 and it felt like, and it wasn't just a Philly thing. It wasn't just, you know, they chanted ECW, which was cool, but you know, I'm not, I'm not normally, and I respect everything that what happened in ECW, and that's a massive part of my career. And I, I'm very proud of being an ECW original and ECW alum. I really am, but I'm a little bit, and you guys touched on this. I'm a little bit different. Than some of the other ECW guys where I don't, you know, I, I kind of, I've moved on in my career, you know, years after that, I actually spent more time in WWE than ECW. I actually think I spent more time in TNA than ECW, you know, but I understand the impact as an in-ring competitor that I had in ECW that and it, it worked and I was blessed to have guys that got me over and put me over and Paul at that time booked me to get me over you know and I was able I was handed a football and and I I was blessed enough to to have the work ethic and the desire to score the touchdown but I had a lot of help and anybody who gets over has a lot of help that's the business you know so and I always say that because I mean that but so I get the impact that I had on ECW, but I actually, you know, I would think I was ECW six years. You know, WWE, I was there, I don't know, nine and a half years, almost 10 years. And TNA, I think I was there seven years, maybe. Uh, something like that. Um, I don't know, something like, some shit like that. I can't remember. But again, not as a wrestler. But by the way, real, real quick, Conrad, back to the thing we were just talking about with this fucking match with Triple H that I had, right? You know, for what Bruce saying that, it's kind of weird because Vince McMahon, I had people tweet me and I forgot about it too. And I think Bruce forgot about it. I think you forgot about it. Vince McMahon himself on his own platform was on, is on camera on one of these shows he did, they were doing saying that this was a mistake. Yeah. The way they handled me at the time. Yeah. He said at the time I thought I was doing the right thing, but looking back, I'm, I'm paraphrasing Vince McMahon's words. He basically said, you remember that, right? He said it was a mistake. Yeah, he does. He does acknowledge that it was a mistake. And, you know, it's it's just weird that even after all this time, Bruce has such rose colored glasses about all things WWE that 
I don't know. It's weird, you know, whether we're or certain things he's like willing to say, oh man, that sucks. Wish we had that one over. And other stuff, he's like, no, this was great. And I, and I think there's just an anti ECW bias, but I think that's always sort of existed uh, in WWE. Do you think that exists because um, the talent just decided at the time, hey, we're better than these guys, and they were in the middle of a war? Or do you think there is a little bit of uh, maybe certain folks don't like Paul Heyman and because that was his baby, if they can take away the quote unquote power that ECW had, then maybe that's bad for Heyman, which is something they like. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of that, that some of those cats didn't like Paul Heyman. Uh, maybe some of them still don't like Paul Heyman and they work with him. Maybe Paul don't like some of them. Who knows? Shocking that that would happen in WWE where there's people that don't like each other. <laughs> it happens a lot. And so I do think there's some of that. I also do think that during that time, during the, the heyday of ECW, you know, we were as a unit, you know, a very brash group and a, a potpourri of all different types of talent. And we sung it, we brought it, and we didn't give a fuck. And that was, that was, we were fueled by that, by the, you know, by the guy who owned the company. And we, a lot of us had chips on our shoulders, and that's how it was back then. It was a different time, and, uh, you know, that's what I like so much. And I see, I said this to a few people backstage at AEW, I see some of that, that same passion big time in AEW that, that we had in ECW. Now, AEW, I mean, just just a huge, much huge scale and massive, little legitimate TV. We didn't have that, and and massive, uh, uh, you know, revenue stream. I mean, we didn't have anything like that. And a true structure that AEW has is a, a legitimate, massive company, corporate company. You know, we we weren't like that. You know, we were, you know, obviously very small and more of like a, one of the dying, one of the last territories, I guess you would say. So, but. The passion was there that we had, and I see that in, in how, like, the EVPs and the talent in AEW and the production people, they all care. They're all happy. I mean, most of the times back then, Comrade, in ECW, the locker room, as I've always said, very competitive. We didn't all get along, but most of the times everybody was in pretty good mood. I, people liked guys and girls liked coming to work. You know, um, and once the checks started bouncing, you know, then that obviously that changed things. Some, then people didn't. But I, I've always said, I, Paul's never bounced a check on me. You know, I, I mean, uh, you know, there were times where stuff, you know, no, he wow. never bounced a check on me. Gospel truth, never. Now, yeah, there were times where it was like, hey, don't put this check in yet. Wait a few days, you know. Which, uh, hey, no problem. Um, that that would happen. It, they almost bounced, and and he, I think he knew that um, if a check bounced, right. I wasn't showing up. It was really that simple. I was leaving the belt at home, and if that makes me look like a douche, fine. It's business. I'm not looking to make anybody. That's has nothing to do with fans. That has nothing to do with, oh, Taz is a nice guy. Oh, Taz is a bad guy. No, I'm a businessman first. You know, I'm getting paid to do something. All of these guys and girls in the locker room get paid to do something. But there was a lot of issues then financially, and we don't need to go down that road. But, like, I got to say, like, I never had a check bounce on me. I never, you know. Almost, yeah, <laughs> but never had one bounce on me. I mean, I, but I know a lot of guys there did, um, which is unfortunate. But whatever. But but the thing is, like, I, I think that um, you know WWE and WCW were in this legitimate battle, and it was badass and Monday Night Wars and all that. And meanwhile, 
you know, little ECW was fucking making noise, just doing all thing different, you know. And and I think they were maybe I don't know, maybe WWE, even though they started, I don't know what year they, that Vince actually owned the company, unbeknownst to the locker room. But I think it was maybe a thing where I was like, you know, <clears throat> you know, who the fuck are these guys? This little engine that could fuck this little engine. We're big ass WWF and we're big ass WCW. Maybe that was it. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this much. This sound right here. I know oh, what this know exactly. is. Conrad. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I'll give you another hint right here. Three, two, one, Brian. Here we go. Three, two, one, motherfucker. Here we go. That's how you talk to your producer, but he flipped me off just now. Brian just flipped me off again. All right, Brian. We're going to fight in a minute. Hold on. I got this new water bottle. Conrad, sometimes it whistles. This one's not whistling this today. I wish it would have because you would have loved it. <laughs> oh, man. What kind of, you got? <laughs> he just popped. <laughs> what, what's your deal? You got like... um. You, I mean, you're drinking a glass of water. Is it a bottel? What is it? A bottel of aquafina. Hold on a second. What'd you say? Nice fade out, Brian. What? A bottle of aquafina. Wow. Yeah, you can feel free to promote brands on my podcast anytime you'd like. Um, it's no problem. Sure. Yeah. So, all right. Is that, I mean, we didn't bury anyone in this podcast, right? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Oh, not yet. Who are we going to bury? I don't normally bury anyone. You bury everybody. The day is young Bro, you bury everybody, bro You just buried your boy Bruce Right here You buried him That's okay I, You bury him right on his own show It's kind of weird I gotta say I give you credit You mean telling the truth? Oh, here we go Unfiltered Jones Yeah Well, no What's wrong with just telling the truth? I saw I do it all the time out here I saw, I put out a little random tweet You saw it you, you troll me all the time You probably have five or six burner accounts You and Dave Silva Yeah yeah, I've got Dave Silva. He's actually running a uh, a tweet farm for me right now. <laughs> where uh, you know when I when I go on a little rampage and I, I get on the campaign trail to get something done, uh, you know, it usually happens. Hashtag humble brag. Yeah, well, yeah. See, so like my thing is, I just I try not to bury no one. I don't bury anyone. I really don't. I mean, well, I might have just buried the guy who's running WWE, but besides him, um, but you know. That's why I tweeted out 700 plus episodes and counting of my podcast. Uh, always been no bullshit, no agenda, no suede narrative, unfiltered AF. You know what AF means? Uh, as fire. That's close. Yes. That's like the new FTW. For the win. Shut the fuck up. So. Oh, yeah. It's not for the win. I'm I'm in the loop on that one. By the way, do you know where the FTW belt is? I've been asking about it for like 11 weeks. <laughs> well, the current time here, it's up uh, in the New York area here, and it's oh. in a safe deposit box. But, yeah, it's um, I might have my guy, Jeeves. He's the guy who works for me. Uh, I might, sure. yeah, I might have him go take it out. So bring it to the casa, and we got to shine that bitch up. So, uh, oh, I like it. I like it. Went, yeah. So, <laughs> do you legitimately keep your wrestling belt in a safety deposit box? Damn right. Bank? You're damn right. I, I, dude, this is this is shooting Jones right here, dude. I I keep all my stuff. Um, everything. I keep 
Um, all of uh, the microphones I use for the Taz show, when I when I, I talk so much, I burn them out. I put them in a safe deposit box. Well, that might, might be true. Now, all my wrestling uh, memorabilia, I, I have a little gimmick that I keep them in. Sure, I, I, but not uh, – it's a, at a safe deposit box industrial park, something like that. But you know what I mean. So. Oh, I got you. No, I just thought it was cool. Like, yeah. You know, I don't know if you've heard over the years, but a lot of the boys have had stuff stolen, and the idea that you keep yours in a safety deposit box is pretty cool. Like, I think there's a, some pretty famous wrestlers out there whose wives would, you know, take their stuff when those wives were becoming ex-wives, Ooh. and then magically that stuff pops up on the black market, yep. and then guys see it for the first time in a long time. They're like, hey, where the hell did you get this? And they're able to backtrack. That, oh, it was in my closet, and my ex-wife stole it, and now this random person across the country has it, and we can figure out how it got there. That would suck, dude. Yeah, no, my wife's not that type of lady, but I understand that some people have issues. Um, but um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, look, bro, uh, you know, so I think we cleared the air on some stuff here with everything. No? You good? Oh, no, I'm good. I've been good, and I'll be honest. I, I really like Vince Russo, and I know that's not a popular thing to say, but I can only treat people how they treat me, and he's always been super cool to me. But I do feel like some of the times he's taking shots at my friends are unwarranted. And I can never tell if he's you know, trying to quote-unquote work uh, and just get some attention for his podcast or if he's being genuine. And unfortunately, he's changed his phone number. I don't have his new number, so I can't been any sort of regular correspondence with him or normally i would because you know he's always been great to me and and i hate that now here we are having to refute something that he said on twitter because it does feel unnecessary but no but like i said no matter what anybody thinks about vince russo like that the topic though bro he's not wrong like he he because he tweeted something out where he more or less i'm paraphrasing he alluded to the fact that he never was never in negotiations on a contract with Taz, and 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 it's true he wasn't, you know. Well, but but in fairness, I don't think that that was implied on our podcast. I think he was in contact with Taz, but Taz did work out a contract with Vince McMahon, right? Well, not Russo. maybe so maybe I, you're I right. maybe to the point you're making the to two Vince names got maybe Russo got confused on which one. Maybe you guys were talking about. I don't know. Could be. I've never heard of Vince Russo negotiating a contract with anyone ever, so I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had that unchecked, unless it was something that you know I just totally missed, which I, I guess is possible. But I, I just, you know, that's never even a, a narrative I'd ever heard before that Russo was cutting deals. Yeah, you know, Russo had his favorites, sure. Russo put in a good word for a guy, sure. Russo put Judy Bagwell on a forklift, sure. But the idea that he negotiated the contract, I don't, I don't believe for a second. So I don't, I don't think that was something we, we said. Well, all right. So Brian grabbed this tweet that Russo tweeted on, it was yesterday. We're recording this right now on October 17th, so the 16th. And it looks like a quote, and he tagged Bruce Pritchett. And it says, Russo had no idea what he was doing with contract negotiations. He, uh, he would just say, yeah, yeah. And the guys would take the take that as a done deal, but it was not a done deal until you get a contract. Unquote. So then Bruce, Vince Russo went into saying that Bruce is a liar and all that stuff, and he never talked to any talent in his life. I so I think that's where Vince Russo so that, that again, even even in that quote, it doesn't say 
that he negotiated the terms of the contract with you. He's just saying in general, my, my read on that, because I speak Bruce, so I'm uniquely qualified for this. Mm. Bruce is implying that whenever a contract thing would come up, Russo would, in his mind, dismiss it like, yeah, 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 because that wasn't his area of expertise. He would have talked about the creative. I don't see that as a bad thing on Russo's side or on Bruce's side. Russo probably didn't have the ability to go, you know, or the authority to go negotiate anyway. I mean, that's, that's not in his wheelhouse. That's not to say it wasn't important to the show, but it's just, you know, the center in the, in the football game doesn't also get to pass the ball. That doesn't mean he can't. It just means it's not his job. His job is to snap it to the guy who passes it. And perhaps Russo is taking great offense here. I I, I don't understand why there's a controversy. If it's like a make-believe controversy, I hope everybody listens to the Taz episode of Something to Wrestle and and you and I can come up with something different to argue about next week. I don't think you did a good enough job either cross-promoting my show on that podcast you did with Bruce on your Something to Wrestle. I, I was a little disappointed. Because I, I know you. You could promote the shit out of shit. And, and I know that. And you really kind of mailed in the promotion on it. I, you know, I just thought, you know, because I, I heard it. I was a little disappointed. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm scrolling my, my text message conversation with you right now. I don't see one plug from you. <laughs> Of what you wanted me to say last week, but maybe I missed it. Because <laughs> by the way, you know, if you would have said, "Hey, do you mind?" it would have been done. I'd have done it at the top of every hour. Come on. No, but it's like that's the professional courtesy. You know what I mean? Come on, bro. I gotta hold I, your I hand. It, I gotta hold it. your hand through this shit now. Come on, Jesus. Jesus Christ. I did, I did extensive research on this to the point that even Cody Rhodes personally took notice, booked you for the AEW show. You got a nuclear pop that moved you to the point of tears, and you're still not happy, bro. A lot of that let's quote this, by this, you is bullshit, just so you know. <laughs> so, this, this whole, I'm going to go home. I'm going to find an old raggedy black towel, mm. and I'm going to put it over my forehead, and I'm going to just send you videos, shirtless selfies, which I know you're excited about for me. <laughs> And uh, I'm just going to cut one promo after another. Well, God dang it. Lord knows you're the king of podcasting. And if no one believes it, they could just ask you and you'll tell them. So uh, I I will tell them a lot. Hey, I do want to ask permission. What? Hypothetically, if uh, if Dave Silva were to, uh, if I was able to convince Dave Silva or a great friend of my show's Cassio Kid into being Taz for Halloween. Would you take offense? Yes. You would take offense if they dressed like Taz. Nobody dresses like Taz. Well, I'm not saying like the human suplex machine. I mean the shitty WWE version with the dicky shirt and the sweatpants. Oh, that's not nice. See, that is the mean. There's the mean friend, Conrad Thompson. Wait, wait, wait. You said you wanted to bury it even deeper, so you did that. So I just. Hey, hot shit. Listen to me, okay? First off. Okay. The, that the Dickies Taz didn't wasn't a shit show. I mean, I, I I still was my work rate was crisp. I was throwing motherfuckers all over the ring. I mean, so it's like my work was there. I mean, it just that just because I my gimmick that I was wearing was not what everybody liked in ECW. That means I was a shit show now. No, no. I'd like for you to rewind your own mouth about thirty <laughs> minutes because you said <laughs> this, that if they're gonna kill this character, I'm gonna kill it even further. I'm gonna put it in sweatpants and dicky shirt. And I don't know if you know this or not, but at my Halloween party, we don't usually allow bumps. Uh, well, not the types that you take on a uh, cool guy. Anyway, Look at this guy, yeah, that's uh, nice. Yeah, that's no. Nice. I'm just saying hypothetically, you know, it's whatever. Uh, but I, I, these guys would not be working and trying to like T-bone Tazplex other guests. I'm just, I need a dude to be Taz. 
the entire time. Like we're doing a wrestling themed Halloween party. I think this will be fun, but I wanted, so like, I know for sure I got a Paul bear coming. I know for sure I've got a big boss man coming. I know for sure there will be an Akeem represented. I need a task. No, you do. You should, you're obsessed with my career and me. So you should be tasked the tall human suplex machine. Do you know where I can get orange self tanner? I need that. I know Kenny Omega had some on TV a couple of weeks ago. I know Zack Ryder stocks up on it, but I don't know. Is there Amazon. like I think Amazon they sell all that type type of the cream gimmick. But no, you don't need that. You just need to. You got to shave your head. That's the key. You got to tighten up that straggle. Oh, well, you got that straggly fucking. You got that straggly fucking beard too. So you got to get rid of that redneck beard and make a goatee out of it. You got to you know. So you're, you're tall enough. That that's for sure. Um, you know, and I just looked up orange self tanner. Yeah, is bronze the right color? Yeah, bronze works. But I also think that you have to hit some do some hack squats, some full squats. You got to work on your quads, your calves. So you're a big guy, but you got legs like a fucking stick. So you know you're, you're top heavy. You know what I mean? Whoa, 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 whoa! Like a stick. You, 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 I'm gonna start sending you selfies of my legs. Bro. No, that's I, I okay, bro. You're good. You don't have to do that. Thank you, though. I'm not, I'm not sticking leg Jones over All here. Right. I, I did not get that now. All right. No problem. Yeah, I just want to be. So, listen. And and look, it, here's the thing. Okay? Here's the thing. You could have anybody you want dressed on a Halloween any way you want. You could. I don't care. Just, I just, I don't want to be involved. Keep, don't tag me. None of this fucking social media shit. Okay, because Halloween annoys me anyway. People ringing my fucking bell. I yell at them. Yeah, fuck. Wait, 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 bro. They literally made you. Literally made your career mimicking Halloween. Bullshit. Like your entire Bullshit. career is it, dude? You're a jack o' lantern that throws suplexes. No, I was Sweet never a jack o' lantern. How am I a jack o' lantern? I'm fucking that. Go take a look at my physique back then. You fucking wise ass. Okay, and then you tell no. me. Okay. See, I was no, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm saying, like, even the T and the Z. Like, I don't know that you know this, but every year on my front porch, I hand carve a pumpkin and I put Taz, the old 1996 logo, you know, on the pumpkin. I'll send you a tweet in a couple of weeks. I'll tag you. In. Well, you hate it, but still, yeah, you're black you and no, I just did. I just, just sent Brian. A, an, a, he knows. I just sent him a message. The last four minutes of this podcast is gone. You're not even gonna hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) No, no, we don't do any handling. We're we're unfiltered Jones, so that's that's a thing. Halloween. How can a guy whose career colors were orange and black hate Halloween? That would be like if Santa Claus was like red and white's the shit. Oh wait, hold on a second. Why do I have to? Because orange and black. I was inspired by Halloween. You're supposed to be the biggest Taz Mark ever. You don't even know what inspired me to go with orange and black. No, dude, dude. First of all, I know for sure. That in one of your matches with Sabu, it was I think it was in Worcester, he hit you upside the head and like candy came out the other side. <laughs> like the entire your entire gimmick. Like I see, here's the thing. You don't know this about me, but I'm a wrestling historian. I dropped the knowledge on everybody that the Ultimate Warrior was really an Indian gimmick. It was a Native American gimmick. Uh, and they didn't know that, but I smartened them up, so now they know. And now I'm dropping the dime here that Taz was actually a massive Halloween gift. Okay, no, you're out of your oh. mind, and it's amazing that you get any downloads with those kind of narratives. i got to be honest with you. Um, it really, and you're supposed to be the king of this shit? Come on, dude, please. Dude, you don't remember the promo, the go-home, this is serious business, the go-home episode of Hardcore TV just like a day before uh, barely legal. So that would have been like April 12th, 1997. I'm like the rain man of wrestling. And, uh, that's the day before Francis, not the day of, 
it, you cut a promo, Black Towel Jones, Ooh. and you were like, Sabu, trick or treat, brother. Oh, you don't remember that? I actually do. I actually do. Yeah. I was not a bad. I'll tell you what. For a fucking, that's not bad for a hillbilly. You did, you for, up, brother. <laughs> I'll bust you up so bad. You try to hand me gluten free treats. Everybody knows I like the Twix bars. The left one, brother. You gave me the right. I'm going to choke you out. No candy corn Jones for me. Oh, candy corn, corn Jones. That is money. <laughs> oh, my God. Taz was a Halloween gimmick. I'm just I'm just trying to educate the oh audience. Oh, my God, bro. Are we done here with your bullshit here? Are we done? Because I really want, I want to drive down there and just fight you on your porch. That's what I want to do. I want to come you know down there, uh, and then I want to pack a lip and sit in, on your porch and drink a beer. That's what I'm going to do, okay? that's You know what? That would be so cool because you would be on my front porch next to the Taz Jack-O-Lantern, <laughs> and they would think that you, too, were like one of those. Like some of my neighbors have like like an animatronic skeleton, so as you approach, it starts moving and scares you. Fuck that. I got the real Taz wow. on my front porch. So I hope you're proud of yourself. Not only do you you know insult me and body shame me privately now you body you, you're whoa, 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 attacking whoa, whoa, my sensitivity and because i'm not because i'm vertically challenged and i'm a bad person okay i understand well i'm horizontally challenged we've all got challenges it's no big deal we're amongst friends no, but, and, but do i ever attack you that you're that you claim you're horizontally challenged have i ever verbally attacked you on that wait wait i, I didn't say anything about see there was a perfect opportunity earlier you're like i could have been hit by a bus i immediately want to say it would have been a short bus nah, but i didn't see, see? I see. left that one laying, and I just kept it moving. And then there you, you want to come back, and you want to say that I've been doing this the whole show? I didn't. See. I do have a question, though. Since we've been doing this for a little while now, do you regret at the top of the show saying, what if we did a podcast together? Because I don't think this would be as fun for you as it would be for me. No, because I, I would only do a podcast with you if we could do it in person. Because you would not act like a fucking badass okay um i'm not acting like a badass. No, i'm trying are. to entertain yeah. no you're, you're not entertaining you're at my expense you're being entertaining yes you're, you're being entertaining oh yeah, yes yeah and I'm, I'm hurt i'm hurt i thought we were friends you know i'm hurt so that and i have the power with my people here to edit this shit but i'm not because i want the world to see what you're about because mr babyface he'll be the jones now they see you know let me let me refer to um, the godfather of professional wrestling, he sent a tweet out that I think can sum up your feelings and, or my, my feelings to you right now. Let's go back in time to October 16th, 2011. Yesterday was the eight-year anniversary of the greatest wrestling tweet of all time. It comes to us from at Hulk Hogan. Right. Um, you're being played Good off, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, and jabroni marks that a life that don't know it'll work when you work a work and you work yourself into a shoot marks i actually know what that whole sentence means you think you do but you don't actually you do know what it means the difference with you is you probably had to fucking read it 50 times and then text 25 of your wrestling friends that's probably what you had to do except when i saw him tweet that i knew right away what it meant i'm gonna tell you now i'm not gonna sit here and let you disparage my, my me texting my wrestling fans my wrestling friends much longer and i'm talking when i say you don't play them off hold on when i say when I, that's twice now when i say that your wrestling friends i don't mean fellow marks i'm talking about guys that were in from the business that you wanted to you wanted them to smarten you up whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah well hang on now you now you're acting like you don't want me texting anyone in wrestling i'm gonna remember that like from now on 
I'll just mark the time and day. What is this passive aggressive attack now? Hold on, hold on, Brian. Wait a minute. What what is that for now? A passive aggressive mm-hmm. attack on me now? First, I'm body shamed. Now you're passively aggressive. And you're attacking me. This is horrible. You, you I told me you're a psychiatrist. I'm halfway expecting when I get home for you to be on my front porch next to the jack o' lantern with a dip in, <laughs> spitting into like a Diet Mountain Dew bottle or whatever it is you use. That, no, that's that, that would be it. Where you just you kind of nailed it. To be honest with you, <laughs> dude. Oh my God, I'm so disappointed in you. You are so Tony Schiavone. What is it with with wrestling announcers and Diet Mountain Dew and Diet Mellow Yellow? This. That's not a real drink, bro. Well, listen to this. It's funny you said that because the stage manager for AEW is this this great lady named Stevie. And Stevie used to work for TNA for a lot of years. And she was Mike Tanay and I and my my stage manager. So the stage manager works with the announcers, whatever they need. And she makes sure the audio is right, the headsets. I did not know Stevie worked for AEW. And I was so awesome to see her. I haven't seen her in a long time. And usually she'll make sure the announcers have whatever drinks they need. And you know, now I'm I'm not a regular AEW announcer, so I don't know, I'm I'm not in the loop like that. But I when I, I said when I was leaving, it was great to see. I gave her a hug, say goodbye, and I said, Don't forget, next time I see you, because Diet Mountain Dew, she knew. So but meanwhile, now I'm a little hot because there probably was a Diet Mountain Dew there if Tony Schiavone likes Diet Mountain Dew. I didn't know he liked Diet Mountain Dew. Dude, you got I never met a redneck from Brooklyn until today. <laughs> That's funny. It's a long time, but it finally happened. Uh, it's just nice, not nice. It's just nice not to be attacked by you. So it's nice, a nice little fun jocularity, nice soft-spoken joke instead of an attack. That was nice. So. That, oh my god. Yeah. I'm, I don't even know. It's it's exhausting being your friend. Let's just go back to you dumping me on my head. I, well, I want to dump you on the head. I do want to dump you on the head, and I, I'm going to dump you on your head. Actually, that should be what we do on the Taz show at Starcast. Ken. No. Taz. Not available. No, really. Just sign a release and we do the throw. It's really that simple. This would be like, I would be the worst Paul Varlins you ever choked out. <laughs> Paul Varlins. <laughs> You're about the same height as Paul Varlins. Um, that's funny. I listen. I wonder how he felt about getting suplexed by the real Halloween. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> All right, well, Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. I, I, look, we're done here. I got, a, I have a lot to do. I got people calling me. I'm very busy, so I'm in the studio here. And there's a lot of shit going on. You are welcome for being a guest on the Taz Show. By the way. Well, hey, thanks for having me. And can I, can I plug one thing before I go? Go ahead, plug one thing. Check a treat, brother. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, Conrad is the man. Uh, we just killed his mic, so he can't talk anymore, which is beautiful right now. So, no, it's great having him on the show and uh, just to rehash some more shit that happened 20 years ago to make other people angry. So that's what we're doing. That's great, isn't it? Anyway, thanks for downloading this episode, guys. I do appreciate it, and I want to thank Conrad personally. He's a great dude. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the, to the Taz Show. Make sure you check out all the Conrad stuff, obviously. And uh, I'm Taz. You're not subscribed to this motherfucker. If you're not already, otherwise I will whoop your ass. Thanks, guys. Take care. Now my circle is getting smaller. All these people acting fake, man. And to be honest, I don't even have a top ten. Me against the world. I've been doing what I really love. Haters been hiding behind the screen, man. They movie cuts. And when I'm back at home, it never feels the same. Cause we've been doing our own thing, trying to stay up. I wanna go back to days with no grades. We ordered the kids. Ball, that's all game.
I've been wondering where the party at Cause all of my concerns got me wondering where they got the Bacardi at To go and pour another drink just to get away We gotta live it up, Carolina here to stay I'm hoping I won't let you go Still back since I was shooting hoops. No issues, you know what I've been.